right, we're going to start out by doing something that we haven't done in a long time here, uh, which is having a conversation over a question. And our question for this morning, what, you don't want to have a conversation, Betty? You don't want to have to talk to your neighbor? Okay, so now I'm really going to force you to, if you, if you find this awkward, then too bad. Um, our conversation this morning is going to center around the question, if Mission Hills Christian Church uh, closed our doors tomorrow, um, would anyone care? Would anybody in our neighborhood really notice if the church shut down tomorrow? Uh, yeah, anyone outside in our community? Like, would the community care? What would the reaction from the community be? So take a couple of minutes uh, and t talk about that. That's the question. Right. So have a conversation. Have a conversation. You're definitely postulating, but it should it should tell us something if we don't even know our community very well that we wouldn't even know what their response would be. So maybe that should tell you what all you need to know. Okay. Then. There you go. Let's let's have a conversation about. What do you think the response would be from people in, in the community? You don't think you, you don't think so, Rosemary. You don't think anybody would really notice. You don't think so. Okay. Any particular any particular reason? They don't know they don't know the church is here. Okay. So you, so you're saying that we. Uh, are planting the seeds uh, into the community that okay so that's what needs to happen yeah okay yeah 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 right yes that's what counts Activities. Yeah. 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 Right. And it is a, it is a speculative question, right? There's obviously no real way of knowing uh, what what type of reaction you would get from the community. Um, but I I pose the question just so that we can start reflecting as we go through this summer. Our main uh, topic that we're going to focus on is what type of community are we at Mission Hills? And so 
even if this just like helps us frame our understanding, how do we see ourselves? How do we even speculate uh, people in the community seeing ourselves? Uh, what type of people, what type of gathered community are we both together? And then uh, what type of community do we represent to those in our outside community, those that don't attend Mission Hills and, uh, you know, maybe don't go to church or go to church somewhere else? Um, what, is, what are we doing for the general community? Uh, and we'll see this uh, brought up in what type of community the gathered community was in Acts chapter 2. So that's where we'll start this morning. Acts 2, uh, starting in verse 41, going through 47. It's in the bulletin, and then it's up here. I'll read. And I'm reading from the, uh, the message this morning. That day about 3,000 took him at his word, which is Peter, uh, and were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all of the wonders and signs done through the apostles, and all the believers lived in such wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were, uh, who were being saved. Uh, this is a picture of the early church. And even, it's interesting, I mean, it even says here in, uh, in verse 46, that uh, this group of people, they're going to temple, so they're, very, they're a very distinctly uh, Jewish community. Uh, still Jewish, but followers of Jesus, the early, earliest followers of Jesus. As we go through Acts uh, over the next few weeks, uh, you know, we went through Acts last summer, and we see that the community of uh, Jesus uh, becomes progressively uh, Gentile as well as Jewish. So the community evolves and changes over time. But this all wraps us back to what we were saying. What type of community are we here in 2017 in Mission Hills, California? Yeah, I think our, our world uh, today um, is driven by uh, two really uh, key things, which are uh, economy and speed. Essentially, how much does it cost and how fast can you get it to me? How fast is the Wi-Fi? Uh, how fast can you make my food? How fast does this car drive? How fast is how how fast can we travel there? Uh, how fast can we just get through life, right? Um, and this is kind of typified. We have a siren today. Um, this is kind of typified in the early 20th century uh, by an Italian writer who wrote this. Kind of this guy. Here, look at this guy. Let me see. <laughs> I know. It's up on the screen. Um, I'll read it. Time and space died yesterday. We already live in the absolute because we have created the eternal, omnipresent speed. Speed marked a lot of the 20th century. Uh, we saw a speed in uh, the rise of technology uh, through everything from uh, computers to um, you know how fast we cook our food in a microwave. Um, I know, I'm just kidding. 
sarcasm, not on our street. Um, and then our world is also a, a obsessed with economy. Uh, we have the technology now to basically purchase anything we want and have it delivered in the same day. Thanks, Amazon. Like we can get almost anything at our fingertips, and yet, uh, as we've talked about in regards with, uh, in respect to Mother Teresa, that we also live in a very impoverished uh, spiritual country. You know, the ability to to buy almost anything and have it delivered as quickly as you could possibly want it. Uh, doesn't really make us a, uh, a more wealthy society. It doesn't really, um, it doesn't really deliver what we want out of it. Um, some statistics for you, because I love statistics. Uh, you know, we now live in a world in which the three richest people own more than the combined economies of 48 countries. The eight richest people, you know, kids in their cell phones these days, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Ben. Uh, so, the eight richest people have more wealth than the uh, than 50 percent of the world's poorest people. Eight people have the combined wealth of 3.6 billion people. Just try to even wrap that in mind. 20 uh, percent of the world's population owns 80 percent of its wealth. Uh, the poorest 20 percent in the world own about a little bit more than 1% of the world's wealth, uh, and the richest 1% owns 40% um, of, the, of the wealth. The average CEO in the US makes 400 times the average worker. 400 times the average worker. That means the average worker has to work a month to make what the CEO on average makes in an hour. Um, Put this in some context in, in Christian history. Uh, what's that? Yeah, that's here. Yeah. Um, to put this into some context uh, from Christian history, you know, we just live in a very different world, a very different society uh, that holds time and money uh, in a very particular uh, divided space. Right? Time and money are obviously incredibly valuable in our society, but yet we, we divide those um, in, a, in a way that uh, isn't, isn't normal to a historical perspective. So in Christian history, uh, I'll read you some things that uh, some Christians have said in regards to how we should understa understand ourselves as Christians living in community, and what do we do with our time? What do we do with our, the speed at which we live? And then what do we do with our resources? Uh, Basil the Great said, if someone steals a person's clothes, we call them a thief. But shouldn't we give the same name to the Christian who has more than they need while their neighbor goes without? Basil the Great. That wasn't the... Uh, right. We're not going to name names. <laughs> okay, so the Catholic... Uh, Vincent de Paul said uh, that when he gives food to the hungry, he gets on his knees and then asks for forgiveness, for he's only returning what he has stolen. It was said that the early Christians, uh, when they didn't have enough food, um, that they would just fast until everybody among them uh, had food, so that no one would get fed unless everybody 
the Anglican priest, John Wesley, uh, in which the Methodist church uh, developed out of, uh, said that he, if he were to die with more than $10, that every person should call him a liar and a thief for betraying the gospel of Christ. Uh, the great Catholic activist Dorothy Day said that if, if you have two coats, then you've stolen one because one of them belongs to the poor. In Acts, Luke portrays this type of countercultural movement that lived in joyful community Essentially, a Jewish house church comprised of people that pray, go to temple, sing praises, and like Andrea says, uh, break bread together. Um, the modern-day uh, activist Shane Claiborne says that uh, redistribution within this uh, Christian community, uh, it comes from community, not before community. The early Christians uh, did not have community just because they shared their stuff. Um, but they shared stuff because they had community. This early Christian community, um, which is obviously distinctly Jewish, is one that is radically different than the fast and economic one around us today. Uh, it was also in stark contrast to the world that they lived in, uh, which I think is probably perhaps why Luke is writing this. He's both describing the Christian community, and then he's also, in a way, um, kind of defending uh, what Christianity or what Jesus followers probably were at the time. Um, there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of movements that were violent, violently uh, moving against both Jewish people and Jewish followers of Jesus in the first century. Um, and here he's drawing kind of a stark contrast uh, of a community that is living in complete harmony. We obviously know that no community lives uh, but that this would have been a very, in, even in this realm, a very idealistic picture that, you know, everybody is sharing what they have, no one is in need, um, but that this is what the Christian community, the early uh, followers of Jesus, that this is what it was supposed to be, right? This is what the Christian community was designed to look like, that no one be in need. So it was in stark co contrast to their violent world. Um, and I would say if I could summarize this community in one word, it would be generosity. And so I want to ask us this morning, are we a generous community? Are we a community that if someone came in from the outside or was judging us from the outside, they would say, you know, that, that church is a generous church. They give both to themselves, like amongst themselves, and to the, to the broader community. But, you know, this type of generosity needs both uh, time and economy. But it utilizes time and economy very differently um, than the world around us. This group of followers of Jesus, they're meeting regularly, spending time together. And they aren't just eating, uh, you know, broken crackers and, and grape juice, but they're sharing full meal meals together. This is why we have love feasts and uh, why we're going to do summer nights and we do things like that. So that we can sit down at a shared table as equals, united together as a community, and just enjoy spending time together. Um, they're also sharing everything in common so that there's no need among them. This type of radical generosity that Peter uh, talks about in Acts is right before this in chapter 2. 
he's saying that the spirit, the same spirit that empowered Jesus to live this same generosity, uh, traveling, uh, healing the sick, caring for the poor, uh, that this same spirit is now empowering the, these uh, few, the small communities of uh, Jesus' followers, that this same spirit is empowering them, and that is why this Christian community is living the way they do. The generosity brought joy to the community, a spirit of celebration when they met together. I honestly think that this type of community would look pretty looks pretty crazy to the outside world today. Uh, I mean, we, we live in a society in which uh, even basic human rights are being seized by people who would consider themselves Christians. So that puts us in kind of a weird space in which we have uh, broadly a, uh, a people that would consider themselves Christians that are, are taking away human rights, that are actually intentionally widening the gap between the rich and the poor, uh, doing that on purpose. And so that puts us in a weird space. You know, what, do we, what do we do when we live in a society uh, that is driven largely by uh, Christians that hold very different set of values when it comes to how they use time and how they use their economy? And all the, be- sorry, sorry. And all the believers live in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned, and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Holding everything in common, they sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Holding everything in common, they sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. This is kind of crazy. The more I read it, um, the more it sinks in how radical this is. But here's the deal. It's, I wish you could force generosity. Uh, I wish I could force myself to be more generous. I wish we could force um, gener- this type of generosity onto our society. I wish we could uh, cause people in our nation that consider themselves Christians to be more generous. Uh, but generosity can't be forced, unfortunately. That's why, as a gathered community on Sunday mornings, you know, we're not adv- advocating uh, for communism. Because that's what a lot of people, like, if you read this verse at a church in Texas, they'd be like, that's a communist. No. But, you know, we're not advocating for, for communism here. Um, but we're, we're advocating for a radical vision of how we love our neighbor. As Mission Hill Christian Church, this is where we have to start. This is where we live. This is where we have to live into this vision. Pooling their resources so that each person's need is met. I think living into this vision uh, of Jesus requires obviously time and resources. And in that space of meal sharing, holding things in common, is where the early followers found their personal joy. In a world around them that was chaotic and violent and very different than their gathered community, they started small. They lived, uh, they lived this message in, in very small ways and found joy in that. I think that if we hope to see a global, global movement of generosity, we have to start here by loving our neighbors. So, so would anyone be upset if Mission Hills Christian Church 
closed our doors tomorrow, I, uh, I find myself asking this question a lot. The love of Christ that compels us this morning is not an idealistic love, uh, but the kind of love that I hope keeps us up at night. It's hard to keep buying stuff when we realize um, that we have brothers and sisters that are going without, um, that are dying, whenever there are very uh, simple things that we can do. Uh, St. Claiborne, uh, the guy that I quoted earlier, also says this. He says, the deepest tragedy in our world is not that uh, rich folk don't care about poor folk. The tragedy is that rich folk don't know poor folk. Uh, we've found, uh, I think, in our world this past year that statistics aren't really enough. Uh, you know, protests do, do something. Uh, but we, we can't eradicate poverty until we first make it personal for us here in our own lives. What happened in the early church, taking care of each other, making sure that everyone's needs were met, they saw themselves as brother and sister. We must know the faces of those here and in our communities that struggle. It's only then that we can respond as a generous community of Jesus followers. And that's why we do things like next week uh, with the 13th movie. This is a very uh, simple example of how uh, we as a community can gather around uh, and learn about a particular issue of injustice that affects the people around us that we might not have known about otherwise. So we come here, hopefully uh, learn, have conversations with people, and figure out how to better serve and love our neighbors. So Jesus is not saying to the poor, come find church. Jesus is saying to the church, go into the world, Find me where I'm hungry. Find me where I'm poor. So as we look at, the, at our church this summer, at what kind of community that we want to be at Mission Hills, may we slow down enough to enjoy good food together. May we be emboldened by the love of Jesus to be radically generous so that no one in our midst Thank you that uh, you're the same spirit that empowers you to, to love the poor, to uh, share common meals with anyone. It's the same spirit uh, that is in uh, each of us this morning. Um, that it's not uh, our job to gather enough energy so that we can be somehow good people, but that you have already uh, accepted us for who we are in this moment, both good and bad, all together in one package, all together in one community, pooling our resources so that no one here would have need. This is the, the hope for Mission Hills. This is the hope.
for the community that we all want to be a part of, to both enjoy each other in this life that you've given us, and to extend that love wherever we go. stand and we'll sing together. that are content and all who feel unworthy and all who hurt with nothing less will know that you are